Hey everybody, welcome back to my most authentic life. My name is Fede Vargas. This is a podcast that inspires and empowers you to create the life that you want to live. We connect with people from all over the world who are choosing to live boldly and bravely. In today's episode, we're continuing our focus on mental health awareness. We're joined by certified leadership and mental health coach, Michelle Anhang. In the last episode, Michelle shared her remarkable and courageous story, a healing journey that has led her to become a champion and voice for mental health awareness. If you want to listen to her full personal story, tune into episode 22. Today, we'll be focusing on how we can continue to normalize and destigmatize this very important subject, and we'll be talking about the importance of building mental wealth. We talk a lot about what you appreciate, appreciates on here, and I'm not talking about real estate or your investments. This is a very different kind of wealth and the biggest investment that you can make. Through her coaching practice, Michelle talks about the benefits of building mental wealth, releasing emotional weight, the ability to manage stress, having an abundance of self-assurance, stillness in the storm, and the ability to recharge. These are all the benefits of building mental wealth and of normalizing the mental health conversation. Michelle told us how sharing her inspiring story led her on a path to become a mental health coach. And today we'll listen to part two of that conversation. And it's inspiring because the more transparent we are, the more fully transparent we are in, in our lives, the healthier everything is. It just spills over into everything. And now you've you've let it all out. You've told the world. And now what's the next stage here on your healing journey? Um, well, I um, as a coach, um, I realized that I wanted to support people in the way that I needed to be supported um, as a family member and also as an individual living with my own mental health challenges of depression, anxiety, and PTSD. So I, um, th- so that really became um, my specialization of supporting those individuals um, to create a, a life that supports their mental well-being. Um, you know, unfortunately, the mental health, I mentioned already, the mental health systems um, are quite fragmented. And, you know, I, usually the first course of action is let's give you some medication, but we're not looking at lifestyles. Um, and lifestyle is such an important part. So I help people to, to move forward, to take care of themselves from, you know, you know, what kind of work are you doing? What does your work look like? Creating that balance there, making sure that they get enough sleep because let's, I mean, sleep I find tends to be the first thing that we will sacrifice. And yet we all know that when we're sleep deprived, we're our worst selves and our mental health, you know, is, is not good. (laughs) It's not ideal when we're irritable, we're tired, we're cranky. And so, you know, prioritizing those things that do support us, ensuring that we have the support systems that we need. Um, that, that, you know, we're doing what we need to do, that we have that plan of, you know, because our mental health is on a continuum. It's not always going to be great and it's not always going to be bad, but it's, it's having the tools that we need that if our mental health is starting to slip, if we're seeing a decline, that we know ways to either pull ourselves back up, having those resources, having those tools, or at least creating a softer landing. 
So it's that. And then the education piece as well. Yeah. The education piece is crucial. And it goes to my next question or point about normalizing this conversation and destigmatizing it. Um, I mean, stating the obvious here, but if this was a, a normalized conversation, things would have been turned out very differently. They definitely would have turned out differently. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So what can we do now? And also, what are we doing now as a society to to let people know it's okay to reach out for help? Yeah. Well, I think, you know, there there's a lot more talk about it. It's definitely more in the forefront now that the, pand- you know, through the pandemic and those people who may never have experienced a mental health challenge might have experienced that more. So, you know, it's it's really, um, there's much more recognition, but there's also a lot of fear because people just don't know. And, and we fear the things that we don't understand. Um, so, you know, by talking to people like you who are, you know, generous enough to offer a platform for me to share my story, to talk about it, to normalize it, um, as well as educating ourselves. You know, it's great that, you know, they've got mental health awareness days and all of that, but it's really 365 days a year that we need to be talking about it. Um, I teach a course called Mental Health First Aid, which um, it, which it educates people on, it's, it's similar, basically similar to physical first aid, where we know how to recognize signs and symptoms of a decline, whether it's physical, in this case, it would be mental health declines. Um, and then we know how to have the conversations around, you know, what do you need to ask people how we can support them, and then having the resources or the ability to find the resources to get people the support that they do need. Um, and, you know, I find this work is really beneficial in the sense that when people have that awareness, when they know what they're seeing, and they know how to approach somebody, um, you know, Sometimes somebody just needs someone who cares. They don't care about the resources, but just somebody to talk to that, like, you get it. And you're not judging me. Then, you know, and I'm not alone here. Sometimes that that can go further than any other kind of support that, that we can offer. Absolutely. You mentioned so many important things there. Uh, 365 days a year. Absolutely. Uh, We have Mental Health Awareness Month, of course, which is in May, but it's important to make this a year-round conversation. And I wanted to devote episodes to this topic. And at first I was thinking, okay, I'll wait until May when it's, uh, you know, Mental Health Awareness Month. But I thought, no, 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 you know, because that is actually feeding back into the problem. So tell us, how do we normalize? How do we destigmatize? How do we empower people with self-compassion? Yeah, well, I think the first place we always need to look is inside. We have to look at ourselves. Um, there's the concept of self-stigmatization, um, which I, you know, definitely experienced in my own shame and, you know, around my husband's death and 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 that fear of the stigma. So we have to look at what are we stigmatizing in our own mental well-being? What are we allowing for? Um, and that usually, you know, if we're, if we don't give ourselves that patience and, and understanding and compassion, we're not able to give it to others. Um, but also, you know, not jumping to assumptions about, um, you know, what might be going on with someone. Mental illness is invisible and often we see it only in the behaviors. 
you know, there's the concept of quiet quitting that is a big thing now. Well, no, that's just people that are needing to take care of their mental health that need to create some balance in life that are just burnt out, that can't work those long hours anymore, that are realizing, you know, their mental health is suffering. Um, it's it's about, you know, not jumping to the conclusion of somebody's taking, you know, a Monday off. Oh, they're taking a long weekend or maybe they're checking out at work. Oh, they're so disengaged have that conversation, go up to them. I work with with so many leaders who just do not know how to have these conversations with their reports, you know, or they'll say, oh, this person's coming back from a mental health leave. I don't know what how to deal with that. You know, should I give them, you know, they're asking me, should I give them their full, work, full workload or should I, you know, give them a reduced workload? And I say, well, why don't you ask them? Ask them what they need. You know, tell them that you're happy they're back. Check in with them. How are you doing? A simple question of, hey, I, you know, I've been noticing you haven't seemed like yourself lately. Is everything okay? Rather than jumping to the assumptions that people are checking out because they're not interested, you know, people are not, don't choose to be that way. We don't choose to check out. We all want to be fully present and to enjoy life and to enjoy our work. And, you know, we all take on jobs. Yeah. And I say specifically in jobs because I find the corporate culture really has the most work uh, to do of, you know, but people get hired and they're excited to work and something happens where the, you know, engagement might go down. Well, then check in what's going on. You know, it's, it's really, it's really important just to ask those questions and to care. Like, and, and that's the thing that if we can, if our cup is full, so if I know I'm taking care of myself, I can then check in with you. And I don't have this thing of like, oh, I've got enough problems. I can't deal with yours either, which is also a common common, uh, you know, sentiment out there. So just really seeing like, oh, maybe there is something going on. I'm noticing they're not themselves. How can I support them? Whether it is mental health or not. Brilliant, brilliant. So glad that you mentioned quiet quitting. And what we can do to reduce that from inside the corporate machinery. A big theme on here is escape from the rat race, finding fulfillment outside of the nine to five, but maybe, maybe we could still find fulfillment within the nine to five structure if we normalized this conversation. And all of the things you've listed there are ways to help us navigate that and to increase retention too. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's really, and that, that's the work that I'm moving into now is helping organizations create mental health programs, talk about it more openly you know, I always say, you know, a very easy thing that leaders can do in team meetings is have, have a check-in, weather-related. How are you doing? Are you sunny? Are you cloudy? Are you stormy? Right? So it's a <laughs> yeah. very easy, benign, it, it, you know, it can give people some chuckles and it gives us a little bit of insight into how is that person doing. So if somebody's telling me, you know, foggy, stormy, cloudy, I'm going to be following up with a quick message just saying, hey, you know, <laughs> heard your weather report, you know, how can I support you? Is there anything that you need? Do you want to talk? So a very easy way for us to gauge how people are doing. And, you know, it's it's not as confronting as how's everyone's mental health, where everyone's going to go fine, right? <laughs> you know, our favorite word. So it's really different ways to to open that up and just, you know, make it part of our everyday. Yes, 1000%. And I think this conversation is making me feel sunny. <laughs> because I, I think humor, humor is the best way and disarming that conversation. So it doesn't feel so heavy, right? Yes, yes, absolutely. 
And so that's amazing. That's wonderful advice uh, for people that may be listening that are, you know, in that nine to five rat race right now. Uh, it's good to have these conversations and maybe there are some, there is someone there already in your office space or counselors. Sometimes we have access to resources that are already there because it's going to take a while for these systems to be yes. adopted. Yes. So now I want to talk about mental wealth mental wealth. And this really resonated with me um, without even really kind of, I had thought about the idea. I talk a lot about what you appreciate, appreciate in this podcast. And uh, obviously not about your property values or <laughs> your financial investments. <laughs> so uh, through my personal development journey, I tapped in a lot into my inner wealth. Uh, and now two years later, I was in a really low and dark place two years ago. I can proudly say that, you know, I'm, I still face adversity, but I'm, I'm bouncing back quicker or I'm, or even, mm -hmm. or even understanding that I don't have to, it's okay that I don't bounce back quickly right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Success doesn't have to mean quickly. So, uh, so talk us through mental wealth and, uh, your process. Yeah. So, so I don't have a, well, I guess I do have a little bit of a process of helping people identify, you know, areas of their life or thought processes that are not supporting their own mental health. Um, sometimes, you know, we've, we've got a very strong inner critic, um, well, we all have an inner critic, but it's it's really looking at how strong is yours. Um, if your particular inner critic is, you know, abusive, it's bullying, it's putting you down, well, that's going to impact your mental health. So starting to identify those things, you know, aside from looking at the chemical imbalances of just, you know, where am I at? Um, but again, you know, my process is basically client centered on what they when they come to me what's what's the most pressing area but yeah we need to identify where we are getting in our own way around our mental health um and and not supporting it looking at it from a holistic perspective of our lifestyle as i mentioned but also then building that toolbox that you know that will support our mental health so this is where where the mental wealth happens where it's like creating the deposits you know depositing you know, things into that account of, okay, these are my support people. Um, so knowing that, okay, if my mental health is starting to decline, if I'm having any kind of struggles or challenges, who are the people that if I send a text, I know they're going to text me back right away? Who are the people that can be with my emotions? Not everybody is, is you know, just because somebody is, you know, your mother, your father, your sister, your best friend does not mean automatically that they have the ability and the capacity to hold the emotion. So really identifying who in my life does talk about their mental health as well, you know, is maybe doing their in their own, you know, wellness journey. Um, and if there, there are no people specifically in your life, then looking at what professionals can I reach out to? What support groups can I join? Um, connection is such a huge part of our well-being. So making sure that we have those connections, making sure we have strong connections with the right people, creating boundaries around, um, you know, circumstances and people that might not be healthy for us. So it doesn't have to be cutting them out, but limiting, you know, and, and recognizing again, what, what am I okay with? What am I not okay with? Knowing when a conversation is starting to impact you and being able to say, okay, you know what, I've got to go, you know? 
oh, just got another call, have to take that or whatever it is, you know, just kindly letting yourself go. Um, You know, it also looks like boundaries around the news, social media, all of those things, you know, we we often go down those rabbit holes. And then we feel, well, for lack of a better word, we feel really crappy after looking at everybody's highlight reels, or looking at what's happening in the news. So again, not shutting yourself off, but real recognizing your limitations of what's a good time of day for me to do this? How long do I want to do? this, you know, for a period of time when my mental health was really not good, I, A, I didn't even look at the news, then I started only looking at headlines. So I had an idea of what was going on, but I'm not looking at videos, I'm not looking at pictures, because I knew that wasn't supporting my mental health. Um, And then building tools, um, you know, to regulate our nervous systems. You know, we are all machines at the end of the day, we're, you know, all subject to how our nervous system is doing. And so just building that resilience with tools, um, slowing ourselves down as well. You know, this, this whole concept of the hustle and grind mentality and go, 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 you know, no pain, no gain, you know, letting go of all of that. And just saying like, how does this feel? Does this feel good? Slowing down. You know, I I'm a big fan of mindfulness, whether it's meditation or other forms of mindfulness, because really mindfulness is just slowing down and paying attention to what's in the present moment. And sometimes, you know, anxiety will take us into the future. Depression will take us into the past and just saying, okay, but right now in this moment, I'm here, I'm sitting at my desk. I'm okay. Let me just take in a deep breath and acknowledge that. That's awesome insight. And it's, it goes into the idea of creating your own algorithm. Uh, And then, and then once you start creating it, being aware of it, right? I I definitely have tuned out of the news or if i do obviously i want to be aware of what's going on in the world uh i do it uh you know at, at times during the day where it's going to be managed in the right way and it won't bombard yeah. me and likewise with social media i'm also i'm creating my own algorithm right because uh, the things that i interact with are things that are making me feel happy making me feel sunny like you said on those days and and unfollowing the things that that don't I, I agree with you. I mean, I, I'm taking a little bit of a social media break right now, but um, yes, my feed contains all sorts of cute puppies and nature things and, you know, quotes that that light me up. And so if I'm going on, that's what I want to see. Yeah, 1000% agree. Well, uh, this has been amazing. And like I said, this is just an introductory episode into this very important subject So I want to start closing off by talking about authenticity and what a journey you've been on to your most authentic self, a journey that's been 17 years, possibly a lifetime in the making. So if you can, uh, what is authenticity for you? I, I see authenticity as being true to myself and being real with myself on where I'm at and what I'm able to do or not do. So just acknowledging what's, what's within my limits, what's outside of my limits um, and being real with others on that too. I think just, just for me, it's, it's showing up um, knowing that showing up at my best is going to look different from day to day. And that's okay. Wherever I'm at, it's okay. But being real with it, just, okay, is this a day that needs to be a mental health day and I can slow down? 
And I can be real with myself of like, you know what, all I feel like doing is binging on Netflix. And that's okay. I don't need to sit there, binge on Netflix, and then feel guilty about, you know, make myself guilty about, oh, you shouldn't be on Netflix. No, today is a mental health day. I'm I'm letting myself do that. And, and being real with my commitments with others. Of this is this is what I can be with. This is what I can't be with. And and really, you know, trying. You know, we all we don't do it perfectly. But you know, even just course correcting with I thought I could do this, and now I realize I can't. So that's what authenticity means to me. Great, great. And another part of your story that's unique to you is that you weren't able to reveal this huge secret. So. I'm curious, what did authenticity look like for you? And how does it compare to where you're at now? Yeah, so so yes, an ele- there was an element of authenticity. I was still me, but I wasn't my whole self. I was compartmentalizing. And compartmentalizing our lives is never good for our mental health. And so now I'm, uh, you know, for me, authenticity looks like accepting all the parts of me the good, the bad, the quirky, whatever it is, and just saying, yes, this is how I am. You know, there are areas that I want to work on. And, you know, it's always a continuous journey, but also being real with myself of, you know, is this, you know, where, where do I want, you know, what do I want to work on now? Where, you know, and what do I not have the capacity for too? So, and, and being honest about it rather than hiding or, you know, avoiding just being upfront with it. Brilliant, brilliant. Well, Michelle, I really want to thank you for joining us today. I think we've only scratched the surface. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But uh, I really appreciate you being part of this very first episode on this subject. Uh, Thank you for joining us today and for sharing your story. Well, thank you for having me. I'm I'm honored to be the first episode on this topic. And uh, I hope your viewers... uh, had had some takeaways from this. Oh, I'm sure they will. I'm sure they will. I have as well. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good day. You too. And that's today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, have an amazing day. And remember to keep on living time on.